Okay. Um, <clears throat> fill your Bibles, please. Let me encourage you to open to um, Isaiah chapter 6. And I just want to sh uh, share a thought from Isaiah 6, six and also Acts chapter 17. And um, we can all have hold of this. Isaiah chapter 6 and um, verse number 1. In the year, year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. <clears throat> so I'm going to jump right down to verse number 5, please. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom? Shall I send, and whom will go for us? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Just bow for a word of prayer, please. <clears throat> Allah and Father, tonight we come before you. We're needy people. We do have our spiritual needs. Definitely needs. We're here tonight because we want to hear from you. And I do ask, Lord God, that. They'll hear from me tonight. Help me as I do my very best to share. May you be glorified and honored tonight, Lord. I want to thank you again. In the midweek, your people come out with wonderful statements out to the world that we don't care to be in the house of God such a time as this. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I've been in Australia for about 13 years. And... Um, with my elementary knowledge of Australia, um, the little bit that I have seen and little bit that I have known, not much, but just a little bit. <clears throat> a few churches that I've visited, I've come to, to this church many, many times. I think maybe over the last <laughs> 15, 20 years, I think, just traveling back and forth, coming for conferences. And... Um, coming to Australia in the last 13 years, just observing the, I'm in Kalgoorlie, I'm in Western Australia, but then, you know, we have a heart for Australia, and um, I'm sure you're aware, to, aware of this, you know, the change and the shift in, in, in the land, especially 
I'm just going to subtract everybody and just talk about Australia for, for now. And as I think about, you know, this nation, and the spiritual state, you know, um, I always ask one question, you know, what will it take? What will it take for us to see some of the things that we have seen before, some of the things that we've read about, some of the things that we've heard about in terms of God moving, great revival, souls getting saved, you know. Um, so when we sit down, we see them. As I think about, you know, like in 1975, many times, uh, 1975, Billy Graham preached, I think, in the Melbourne um, football stadium. It was crowded, it was packed. They reckon that that attendance, even on a big day of a grand finals where AFL, they have not broken the record yet in terms of attendance. That was in 1975, that's about 50 years ago. The question was this, why at the time, 50 years ago, it was, I mean, it was packed like that, but it, today if we, were, if we were to go and try to organize a rally or, or to preach maybe a gospel rally, a gospel conference or anything like that, you know, definitely, we will be attacked you know, we, you know, we will go through all of that. Even someone might want to take us to court for that matter, you know. And so, you know, when you think about that, and when we think about what we're going through here, you know, we see uh, <clears throat> definitely, you know, we, we, we see the political changes. Um, in the yesteryears, you know, people found it easy to build church and keep going on like that. These days, you know, for those that really stand up for the truth, it seems to be really, really hard to find land, to find, you know, to build or to improve and those type of things. And uh, uh, it's just, there's been a definite change, you know. And when I think about Australia, I could be wrong, but this is my, when I think about Australia, I'm, I'm mindful of the Muslim and the communist countries. So the Muslim and the communist countries, well, we all, what we all know, uh, Definitely, the, hate, the hatred against God or for their faith and all of that. There's no doubt about that. You know, when they um, when they get a hold of Christianity or when the Christians or when they, you know, when they're against us, uh, they're not ashamed. It, it, it's it's very very bloody. It's very very brutal. Uh, it's very barbaric. It's very open. The way in which they which Christianity is hated, Christians are condemned, and there is no room in, in their constitution or in their laws where we're allowed, where Christians are allowed, uh, allowed where Christians are permitted or allowed to practice their faith. And for that reason, you know, so we look from the outside and we say, oh boy, those Christians and those people are really going through such a persecution at such a time. And so we regard that as a real, uh, you know, real tough place to minister or to live your Christian life. But you know, the, the truth about Australia is that it might not be like the Muslims, or it might not be like the communists in terms of bloody, brutal, and very barbaric and very, very open. You know, people being uh, beheaded, blood spilling over, you know, people being shot like that, just open. We, we wouldn't see that. But definitely, the, the, the way Australia is turning around right now, you know, we see the opposition, we see our faith being challenged, we see uh, constitution amended or challenged, or, you know, we see all of that going on, and um, to the point that preachers are not, 
preachers have to warn another preacher, preachers have to educate another preacher and be very, very careful of how they preach, the words that they use and all of that. Because either you get canceled for, for guys like us who, who are foreigners and who are here, you know, it just takes only someone to just put us on a YouTube and that's it, we're on the plane the next day, you know. Uh, so the pressure, the, the, you know, uh, in, in where we're living now, you know, how, so it might not, like I said, it might not be as, as brutal as the Muslim or the communist country, but definitely in a very subtle way, in a very legal way, it's accepted, it's legal. Uh, that we are shut down, you know, we've been canceled, and, and so many things that are happening. And when, that's hap when that happens, it does also affect, you know, the, 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 the pressure or the, the society or the culture has a way of affecting us in the way we not only think and the way we live our lives, but definitely one thing that it affects is our faith. It does affect our faith. Um, <clears throat> Good Shepherd is a church that's greatly been blessed, you know, and uh, we praise God and thank God for that. Um, sad to say, but we can't speak for many churches, you know, many, many churches just shut down, just go to, numbers decrease and then just shut down. And, um, you know, we had people say, well, you know, it just economically couldn't be done, you know, geographically people tra traveling back and forth. And so we're beginning to step back and accept the fact that we can fold, we can fold. It's all right to fold, it's all right to move away. It's, and, um, you know, that's, as I see that, and I see, sit down with preachers and sit down with fellow, fellow uh, you know, Christians, and I can speak for us as, you know, as, as I specifically work with the Aboriginal people, you know, uh, in the past, I think uh, the good preaching, good solid stand on the things of the Lord, but right now churches are shutting, shutting, shutting people, and then it is almost like a handful of people who will love God. The rest is just, their type of Christianity is uh, just, you know, just, it's just really not Christianity, you know? And uh, <clears throat> so we see that, and uh, so when we come to Isaiah 6, and I th when I think about Isaiah 6 and I see that, I ask the question, what caused Isaiah to eventually get up and say, Lord, woe is me? And uh, what caused Isaiah to get up and say, you know what, I I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner before you? And what caused Isaiah in the closing, uh, uh, closing remarks of verse number 8, he says this, here I am send me. Because definitely Isaiah was in a time when he ministered to the people as a prophet and as a man of God and as, 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 as a servant of God to be the voice of God. It was definitely, definitely without doubt, very discouraging, everything. I mean, read, read the later chapters, it is just very, very disheartening, or even the earlier chapters, you know. But what caused, what caused him to go in the end and say, Lord, here am I, send me. What motivates a man? What, what, what stares a person in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of almost hopelessness, in the midst of a, a society or a culture where people have hardened their hearts to God and everything seems to be against God? What causes a man to get up and say, God, send me? What happens? Uh, what is it that takes place in his heart that he gets up and looks up to heaven and says, God, send me? Because it is, it is, it is great. It is, it is definitely accepted now that where there is so much of hardship and difficulties and all of that, everybody will choose the other way to live their lives rather than accepting the call or the will of God to step out and say, "God, here am I. Here am I." And so, see that, and uh, 
well, definitely the scripture doesn't answer that, you know. And I'll quickly go, I'll just really with your time, so. Um, first of all, he just looked up to God. And then, you know, God deals with his heart. He sees the holiness of God, not only that, but for a short, for a short moment between that, God gets a grip of his heart. Now, this is a prophet. This is a man of God. This is a, this is a man God greatly is, and But all of a sudden, this man, with his status and with who he was, general, I'm sure generally everybody would, would see Isaiah and say, you know what? Isaiah's got it all. He's a man of God. You know, there's no trouble with him. I think he's doing the work of the Lord. He's all right. Tick, 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 tick. But you know, boy, when, when Isaiah came face to face with God, something happened in his heart. Definitely realized that, boy, I could be more effective. Maybe I could do more. And I'm sure Isaiah definitely realized in, in, in himself that there is, I shouldn't be satisfied with my state in serving God. With the state that I'm in, I shouldn't be satisfied. Why? Because he gets up and tells God, I'm a sinner. He says, woe is me. And then when he gets that right, he looks out again and he, realizes, he recognizes what God has called him to do. And he sees the people that he has to minister to and all he looks up to God and says, God, you know what? Here am I. Send me. Just the sight of God. Just a moment with God. Face to face. The cherubims, and the cherubims boy really get the message down. Holy, holy. And then something happens in his heart. Second thing I want to share tonight, and just quickly, is out from Acts chapter 17, verse number 16. In Acts 17 and verse number 16, <clears throat> we see that um, there is definitely an awakening, but at the same time, there are people who, who are gathering, opposing uh, the, the word of God, and uh, the people have just totally, 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 uh, we know there's a, pagan, a paganistic what, uh, society and a culture totally against God. Have a look at Acts chapter 17, just verse number 16. I'll read the verse and try to tell the story. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to what? Sorry, what is it again? Idolatry. It's two quick things. One, prior to that, chapter 15 and 16, the unbelievers were staring each other, staring one another, led by the religious crowd. And they would stare each other and be very, very, come with a very hostile attitude and really, really try to, you know, I mean, they were persecuting the Christians, especially Paul and the guys who were preaching the word of God. And uh, in a situation like that, definitely and naturally we would get, we would get up and say, man, it's just too much. And I'm, I'm discouraged. I don't go. We choose another way to serve the Lord. We choose another way to, uh, to, 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 to be used of the Lord. But what Apostle Paul did, as we read now, is this, that he's, he was stirred. Now, he was not stirred because of something that was, uh, you know, very, very positive. He wasn't stirred because of something that was positive. He was actually stirred because of something that was very, very negative and something that was really, really bad. And uh, the Bible really, the Bible also mentions what it was. It says, when he saw the city which was wholly given to what? Idolatry. The question I asked earlier on, what will it take? What will it take, you and I, 
really look at our situation, look at our own personal Christian life and Christian, see our own Christian service and say, you know, is this where I should be or there's more that I can do? We see from Isaiah. He was a great prophet and all of that. Up to chapter 6, in today's language, we say he had rededicated, recommitted himself and said, you know what? Lord, I raised my hand up. Apostle Paul doing such a wonderful job. Maybe he's not a similar situation as that, but something stirs him. Isaiah, his sight on God, affects him. Apostle Paul, his sight not on God, his sight on the situ- on especially in Athens. He sees the people and he sees the idolatry. He sees the way the people are living. He sees the way the people are going about and just, just a godless society and people just too comfortable with, 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 with the evil practice and maybe their conscience was bothered and everything was totally against God. And normally someone, someone would just get up and say, you know what, this is too much, it's too bad. I can't raise my children here. I can't be here. This is just you know, too bad. It's just, just, you know, it's just it's not, not a right place. Not a, uh, you know, I wouldn't choose to, to live here. But you know what? The Bible tells us, Apostle Paul was different. He saw all the negatives, he saw all the bad side, he saw all the failure, he saw all especially idolatry, he saw all of that. And the God, God says definitely in the scriptures that his heart was stirred. Wow. When we see Australia right now, I would be really safe to say this. It has become what? An idol worshiping nation. It's an idol worshiping nation. I don't condemn this country. I love this country. I'm here uh, because I really believe that there is a job to be done. But what is absent today? But what is absent today? I firmly believe that so much and great things can uh, are yet uh, are to happen. Are yet to happen. One of the reasons is this. We all live in a very developed cities like you know, Brisbane and every, everywhere in Australia. But with everything that we are seeing right now, does it stir our heart to do one more, to take one more step again from where our Christian faith is, to take it up and to be more effective for God? The business of our culture and of our society has affected us in such a way where people are now satisfied to, to, if I go for one service, if I do just one little prayer, if I do this and that, and uh, that's fine. You know, that's, you know I'm, I'm just too busy. I just got this and that. And, um, and it's their choice. But let me just say this now. What really saddens me, one of the classic examples of idol worship, idol worship that I, I really believe that in, in, in Australia that, that's really found its way into Christian homes and into the Christian lives of children is this. You know, let me just give you a, a classic illustration that I believe it, it is. You know, parents will say, oh, you know what, I, I gotta, we're going to have an alien night. We're going to have our children in, in there in bed and all of that. But if that same child was to play soccer at 7 o'clock, his mother and father would be there at 6 o'clock to warm up, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, they'd be at home, or even 9.30. You know, we're raising a generation that th- their values of God and, 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 and idolatry, things that are out there that, 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 are, that are versing God and, and, and the things, you know, and I said to say, today's, today's pulpit and today's ministry and today's Christian, they will say, let them go. Mind your own business. It's all right. Boy, the more we let it go, the more we let it go, the next 30, 40 years, we'll have nothing. We'll have no standards. We have no, we'll, we'll, 
our, our next generation, our children will grow up having no convictions at all. And uh, so that I'm, I'm not, I'm, this is not just for you. I, I, I preach these things in our church. I preach this stuff you know, you know, you know, to our people. You know, if you know much about the uh, black fellows, uh, sorry, the Aboriginal people, um, everything is fought. It's their hope that one will come. They compete whose son, whose daughter, whose, whose, all of that. And, that. and there's many other things. But I, and, and don't, don't, don't take me, that's not the only, there's lots of good things about the Aboriginal people. There's a lot of good things that they're doing. There's a lot of things that they're pressing on and pursuing and, and, and praise God and thank God for that. But when, I, when it comes to that, I tell the people, you know, the more you elevate other things against church and God and the spiritual things, it's only a matter of time that when your child gets about 14, 15, 16, and when he can stretch your authority, he will join the rest with uh, continue the what? Idol worshipers. They'll continue doing that. Continue doing that. So what, what captured the heart of uh, Isaiah to say, God, I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me. God, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm a proper view of God. Realize that, boy, I can't, I, I can't be this way. Any person that really looks into God and walks with God and, and, and really want to serve God will always get up and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm serving you here. I could be there. And anyone that is genuinely concerned about his city, his country, or his community will always look outside. Brother, if you don't have some fireball preacher coming and preaching here, you don't have the greatest preacher in the world to come and preach here, you all, have, all you have to do is just look at the world and see how it's uh, worshiping, uh, uh, just involved in idol, uh, idolatry and idol worship. That should stay your heart and my heart to get up and uh, do something to God. Do something. It, it, it must not take, we don't have to depend on some pastor, some preacher to come and do it for us. Can you just imagine if every one of us, if our hearts were stirred, stirred in that way? What sort of impact will we have? I'm a firm believer that can we see what happened in the yesteryears? Yes. Can we? And uh, we just keep going on. I love, uh, and I know what, it, it, it's a tough, is Australia a tough field? Yes, it is. But we've got a great, we've got a great God. We've got a God of impossibilities. We've got a God who will do miracles. We've got a God, uh, children of God have to be a little bit patient. The children of God just have to know where they're at with God. And um, well, with, with that, I'm sure we'll surely do a lot more for God. And the church can really have a great impact. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about the church. I'm, I'm just basically saying that that's what I try to tell our people and our church and remind us, you know, um, we've got to make a difference. Thank you.